0: This morning we're continuing our series Making Faith Work, a look at the book of James. And today we're in James chapter 3 verses 13 through 18 if you want to go ahead and turn there. This passage provides teaching on wisdom. And if ever there was a season that we needed wisdom, it is now. For nearly 9 months our country has been ravaged by COVID-19, bringing with it just a host of issues. Scientists and medical professionals need wisdom about dealing with the virus itself. The, the general public needs wisdom about social norms. Our government leaders need wisdom about policies and the economy and, and that's just stuff related to the virus. There's also an election just around the corner and each of us need wisdom about how to vote. We've got cultural unrest and divisions, our own family and interpersonal issues, and on and on the list goes. We need wisdom. Now, while I doubt anyone would dispute that point, in order to have wisdom, there are three important questions we need to answer. First of all, what is wisdom exactly? That word gets tossed around a lot, but what do we mean by wisdom? And then secondly, Where does it come from? What is the source of wisdom? And finally, how can we tell the difference between true and false wisdom? You know, there's no lack of individuals. Politicians, preachers, social activists, corporations all claim to have wisdom, but not everyone can be right. How can we know what constitutes true wisdom? And how can we move forward with confidence to address the array of issues that we face? That's what we want to talk about this morning. And to guide our thinking, we'll be looking primarily at the book of James, but other selected passages as well. The Bible indicates there is wisdom in the counsel of many, and so I have not tried to tackle this topic alone. Giving credit where credit is due, I have learned much from wise students of the scriptures such as John Tyson, Tim Keller, Susie Silk, and Hannah Connor. From James chapter 3, beginning in verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. Father, we give you thanks for this day and the opportunity that we have now to study your word. We pray that your Holy Spirit would come just as you promised to be our teacher and to guide us into all truth. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So first of all, what is wisdom? Well, from the book of Proverbs, Tim Keller identifies three necessary components of wisdom and how they work together. First of all is understanding, that is, knowing how things really are. And then secondly, there is insight, knowing how things work. And then thirdly, there is discretion, knowing what I'm going to do about it. So let me give you an example from my life that I think illustrates well how these three components come together to make wisdom. When I was in the fourth grade, our class had a brand new teacher, Ms. Gordon. She was sweet and kind and meant so well, but had no idea whatsoever about how to control a classroom. Within a week of the first day, it was utter and complete chaos. The inmates were truly running the asylum. That Friday, she left the class crying, and we had the run of the place, or so we thought. I can remember standing at the front of the room, ready to throw a chalkboard eraser when things went deathly quiet. And when I looked to my left, there at the door stood Mrs. Hardy, the most feared teacher in the whole school. And with 30 years teaching experience, she had wisdom. Number one, she understood the situation immediately. Number two, she had plenty of insight about how things are supposed to work in a classroom. And number three, she knew exactly what to do about it, starting with me and my backside. Order was restored within 30 seconds. Wisdom is the ability to know what's actually going on, how things should be, and what action needs to be taken. Can you imagine how different our lives would be if we could do those three things in any given situation? Our ability to deal with most any area of life would be dramatically improved. The good news is we can have that wisdom, but first of all, we need to know where to find it. So what is the source of wisdom? Where do we need to look in order to find it? In our search for wisdom, the first thing to understand is that we will never find it within ourselves. The scriptures are clear that we are sinful creatures, and our ability to think and act wisely is broken. So where shall we look? Well, in Job 28 is a beautiful poem which makes clear the answer to this question. Where then does wisdom come from? Where does understanding dwell? It is hidden from the eyes of every living thing, concealed even from the birds in the sky. Destruction and death say only a rumor of it has reached our ears. God understands the way to it, and He alone knows where it dwells. For He views the ends of the earth and sees everything under the heavens. When He established the force of the wind and measured out the waters, when he had made a decree for the rain and a path for the thunderstorm, then he looked at wisdom and appraised it. He confirmed it and tested it. And he said to the human race, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to shun evil is understanding. The scriptures are clear that only God knows where wisdom dwells and only he can provide it for us. And yet most of us, tend to leave God as a last resort. It's only after we have exhausted every other possible source that we begin to consider that He just might have something to say about the matter. As I mentioned at the beginning of the message, we are in a season in which we desperately need wisdom, particularly regarding the future of our country. And so I want to ask you something. As you have sought wisdom regarding the big issues of our time, where have you looked for that wisdom? What has been your go-to source? The various news channels? The politicians and pundits? The conventional wisdom around the water cooler or up in the stands at your kid's ball game, Your own sense of what is good and best? While those places may not be completely devoid of the truth, they are not the source of wisdom we need for these times. If you were to compare the amount of time that you give to these other sources with the amount of time that you give to God's Word, which comes out on top. My guess would be that for most of us, the other sources get hours, but God's Word may get minutes at best. What might happen if you were to turn that around and give God's Word hours of study and just a few minutes to TV, politicians, and the opinions of others? Now, you may ask, Pastor Dan, how how is the Bible going to help me decide who to vote for or or what I should do about social issues? Well, I can tell you, if you don't look in it, you'll never know. But the Bible does speak to the most important matters. Life, truth, justice, character, morality. the, The very things that should guide us in our choices and behavior. And here's some really good news. James 1:5 says, "If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you." Our God is a loving heavenly Father who wants us to be wise and he's willing and eager to give that wisdom to any who would ask for it. But I should add a word of caution at this point. Because we have a tendency to treat God like Google Maps. You know, when, when we use Google Maps, we've already determined our destination. We just need some guidance on how to get there. And in a similar fashion, we are prone to make our life plans without consulting God first because we just want Him to show us the way. But God isn't interested in telling us to turn right here or turn left there so that we can get to where we want to go. No, to fear the Lord is to let Him determine the destination as well as the directions on exactly how to get there. Wisdom is found in only one place, in the hands of our loving Heavenly Father. But the only way that we can receive it is to do so on His terms. Finally, if we're going to make full use of wisdom in our daily lives, we must be able to distinguish between true and false wisdom. James gives us the key in verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. True and false wisdom are revealed in the lives of those who live by each, and the differences are stark, to say the least. The hallmark of false wisdom is an emphasis upon the self. It's an approach to life that says, it's, it's all about me. What, what's best for me? Selfish ambition, envious, boastful, which ultimately leads to chaos and disorder. The exact opposite of how we defined wisdom earlier. James is clear. Where this wisdom comes from is demonic. Demonic. The devil has been trying to sell us a bill of goods from the very beginning when he tempted Adam and Eve. Genesis 3.6 says, The woman saw the fruit of the tree was desirable for gaining wisdom. He had already persuaded her that merely being human wasn't good enough. She could be like God if she just took a bite of that fruit. He made it all about her. When you're seeking wisdom about a particular situation, a good rule of thumb is to step back and ask God to reveal to you your true motive. James says that godly wisdom is pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, impartial, and sincere. Those are not the characteristics of a selfish person, but one who is very much attuned to the needs of others who is aware that our decisions often impact many lives beyond our own, and who takes others into account when making those decisions. True wisdom is willing to be self-sacrificing instead of selfish. If ever there was an enterprise in the human experience that required wisdom, it is the task of parenting. Those of us who've done it and those of us who are doing it understand very well there is no lack of opportunity to exercise wisdom. The particulars change, of course, as a child grows, but there is one component that remains the same throughout, the overwhelming temptation to say, I'm not dealing with that today. Whether it's a two-year-old pitching a fit or a disrespectful 16-year-old, all of us know what it's like to be completely over it to the point that we don't even want to begin addressing it. Physical fatigue, emotional weariness can leave us especially vulnerable to taking the apathetic approach. But of course, we know deep down inside that is not the way of wisdom. Why? Because it is a fundamentally selfish approach on our part. In the moment, Our primary concern is our comfort, our well-being, our sense of peace. But those things are not what is best for the child because they will ultimately lead to disorder and chaos. The very essence of parental wisdom has little to do with the child and everything to do with us. Will we be considerate enough of our child and submissive enough to the Lord to do what is right, inconvenient though it may be, Or will we take the way of false wisdom, making it all about me? Now, this is neither a sermon on marriage or parenting specifically, but let me pull off to the side of the road for just a moment and address each of those quickly. Husbands, listen to your wives. You know they are much better at this than you are. In the words of the Jedi Master Yoda, you must unlearn what you have learned. You know that your wife's ability to do the difficult thing exceeds yours, especially where the children are concerned. So humble yourself and be willing to learn the way of wisdom. If the year 2020 has taught us anything, it's how desperately we need wisdom. We can slide so easily into a sense of false security just sure that we can handle most any situation that comes along. And I suppose in that respect, one could say 2020 has the potential to be very good for us. It has the potential to remind us that we do not have all wisdom. It has the potential to drive us to our knees, reminding us where wisdom is found and what true wisdom really looks like. And so I'd like for us to close our time together in a time of prayer giving God an opportunity to search our hearts, to reveal to us where we have failed to seek his wisdom and we have looked to other sources outside or even within. Confess these before the Lord, repent of them, and as a church together, let's cry out to him for the wisdom that only he can provide. Will you pray with me now? Father, we do readily confess to you that far too often we have looked for wisdom in all of the wrong places. We have either sought it from sources that seemed to have great wisdom in the moment, but they weren't found in you, and so they came up short every time. Or in some cases, we were proud enough to think that we had wisdom. Oh God, would you please forgive us? Forgive us for our arrogance and our disobedience. Humble us, we pray. Give us hearts that hunger to know you and your wisdom, for we confess that you are the source of all true wisdom, and we stand desperately in need of it, especially in these days. Lord, we need wisdom to be the men and women, the Christ followers that you've called us to be, so that we might be salt and light in our society. Lord, would you forgive us, and would you then pour out a mighty blessing of your wisdom as we diligently seek your face. And we ask it all in Jesus' name, amen.